0: what the church used to provide for us, what religion used to provide for us. I, I almost converted to Catholicism. And Catholicism, go to confession. You pray the rosary. You go to mass, right? These are systems that add meaning and texture and ritual and rhythm to your life. And guess what? It doesn't matter if someone has just died. It doesn't matter if you're financially destroyed. You can still hold on to those systems. Well, with the decline of religious systems in our world, we are now the ones who have to create those systems. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long.
1: And I'm Caleb Rowe with the Air of Grievances podcast. Very good. Got a little mashup. Yes.
0: So this podcast is airing twice. This is airing on the Air of Grievances podcast with Caleb Rowe and here on Sacred Tension, of course. So, Caleb, tell us briefly about your podcast and kind of what you're doing.
1: Yeah, so it's it's primarily interview-based. Every once in a while, I'll do solo episodes that are usually pulled. Like, I, I preach sometimes at Revolution Church, Jay Baker's church here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and sometimes... It's It'll a great be church. pulled from. Yes, I, I I love Jay Baker. So yeah, just I guess just briefly, I it's to me it's kind of ironic preaching sermons when I'm not. I don't think it matters if there's a God or not. Honestly, <laughs> Christianity is a mythology. I think to me, much yeah. like any other mythology. But 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 yeah, it's I'm in a weird place. I guess spiritually, and my podcast is just about that, and it's primarily interview based. But yeah. Thank you for setting me up for that.
0: Fantastic. So today we're talking about Tarot. This is the second Tarot reading episode on my show. The previous one I did with the member of my team, Justin Caleb Bryant, who's done the artwork for the show and does a lot of like the booking for me. So Tarot is one of my... Passions. Tarot is one of my great loves. And the reason is because it's so powerful as a personal mythology. Tarot is this really, really incredible tool for self discovery. And it's this incredible tool for meditation. Now, what Tarot is not, it does not predict the future. At least I don't believe it does. It Mm -hmm. is not a form of divination. In that it's a form of fortune-telling. It is a form of divination in that it can bring you incredible insights about yourself, about the present moment, about your life. Tarot Mm -hmm. is this incredible tool. It's been around for centuries. It's been part of Western uh, magical practices and Western esotericism for centuries. We don't really know where it comes from, but it's been around forever and it first started out as a card game and then oh. and then sl- and actually the tarot is the foundation for the modern deck playing cards it, it's it's the foundation really? for the modern playing cards and then over time people started to find these deeper meanings in the cards interesting right there are these two modalities to reading tarot one is it is truly spiritual or it is truly magical I personally, being a materialist, you know, I personally being kind of this hopeful, open materialist that I am, I'm not closed to the idea that there are spirits, but I do not adhere to that idea. The yeah. other model is psychological, that this is all a powerful Rorschach test where you are looking at the pictures in the Tarot and you are projecting yeah, you, you are projecting your own life and your own narratives onto the cards. And that act of creating a story about yourself can be incredibly therapeutic and powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and this kind of speaks to human nature and that we are ultimately mysteries to ourselves. We are completely mysterious creatures to ourselves. We don't understand ourselves. We are these cauldrons of kind of chaos and confusion even to ourselves and so anything even if it is a myth anything Mm -hmm. that can come in and impose a sense of order and understanding onto ourselves is deeply valuable some more than others i Uh think and i think tarot is one of those really really powerful tools all right i love it that was great so were you a theater kid also uh yeah. I, that was a great monologue. Well, <laughs> I was a theater kid and me I too. am the son of two preachers. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I swear I can, I can get up on a, on a podium and just preach in my sleep. That
1: was so eloquent, man. That was great. That. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. So great. you have your deck. I sent you a deck. I do. You bought me a deck. Yep. You sent it to me. You met, you uh, ordered it online for me. Thank you so much. And you know what? I haven't opened it yet. Oh, very good. I was going to open it in and kind of shuffle through it a little bit and kind of get familiar with the cards. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to save this for the podcast. So I have. I'm now opening this box for the first time. Awesome. I'm going to take the plastic off here. I should maybe I should have done that already. And so I, I, I found it interesting in your description there. I didn't realize it was a Western practice. Yes. Because I saw that you know that this was by. It looks like a, a person with like an English name, Arthur Edwards. Waite. is it wait? Yeah. So. Let me tell you some about
0: the history of this particular deck. So this is the Rider-Waite deck. The Rider-Waite deck is kind of the standard deck that we all instantly recognize. And so kind of the major arcana from this deck, the Hermit card, the Death card, the Magician, the High Priestess, all of these cards are instantly recognizable in our culture. Like if there's a movie with Tarot cards in it, this is the deck that that will be in it. Also, it's the symbology, it's the system that is most readily used. If you have a deck, if you have another deck that came after the Rider-Waite deck in the early 1900s, chances are it will be Based on the system of the Rider Waite deck,
1: interesting. Okay,
0: yeah, and, and so it's it's kind of become this this universal foundational deck. Of course, there are other systems out there. There are other systems of Tarot and of and reading Tarot and the symbolism. But we are not going to get into all of that. So it was the the Rider Waite deck was illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith under the direction of Edward Waite, the occultist, and then. The writer, the name writer in the name is actually the, the name of the publisher who originally published it.
1: Oh, um, I see.
0: Yeah. So, without out of the way, go ahead and open up the deck. All right, I've got them right here. Very good. Do I, sh- do I shuffle them? You got this. Is my first ever tarot tarot reading? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So go ahead and shuffle them really, really well.
1: So sure this is great for all the listeners. <laughs> yes,
0: he's he's uh, shuffling the deck, and there are seventy-eight cards in the deck. Now the deck okay. is. Divided into two types of cards, there are the major arcana and the minor arcana. Arcana okay. is plural for arcanum, which means mystery or secret. The uh, major arcana are like the big life archetypes. They are the okay. the okay. big major symbols. Um, whereas... The minor arcana are what the uh, regular playing cards are based on. So, oh, okay. yeah, so you know, yeah, aces through tens, and then above that, you have the court cards: kings, queens, so on and so forth. They also have a multiplicity of meanings, and we're going to get into these meanings as we start to read the cards. And we'll, and so what we're going to do is we're going to demonstrate how these cards work. We're going to demonstrate their power and the way that you can so easily project your own story onto yeah. them and how that's a really therapeutic or helpful process.
1: Yeah, I love that description. I think we, we briefly discussed it on that Air of Grievances episode that I that we kind of first started talking to each other. And um, I think, you, yeah, you described it as a Rorschach or an ink blot test. Yes, exactly. And I really like that description because at first I was like, well, I don't believe in magic. Yeah. So what's the... What's the draw here? But then when you described it as like an internal kind of, you know, a a therapeutic sort of projection and kind of a, 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 a mirror held up to yourself through a certain prism, I guess, that really kind of validated it. For Absolutely. Me, and by the way, that's kind of
0: my view of a lot of the occult. I'm a huge fan of the occult. I mean, not all of it. There's some crazy bullshit out there. And, and by and by <laughs> sure. some, I mean, you know, metric fuck tons of crazy bullshit. But <laughs> But a lot of, I think, the best occult Practices and principles are like that where it's really about internal transformation and we are creatures mm. who need ritual and story. These are incredibly powerful things. They are incredibly powerful for us. And so the act of going through a ritual Or, you know, another thing that I'm fascinated by is called chaos magic, which is about entering a belief system and then using those tools within the belief system to kind of crystallize personal transformation and and change in the world. It's very, very cool. And and so I'm a fan of the occult because I think that these images and symbols and practices are so psychologically powerful. And honestly, that's why it feels like Mm. magic, right? you know the mm, yeah you know that's there are a lot of things that are still around because they are so psychologically powerful or physically mm. powerful that they feel like magic and so you know i'm also a yoga teacher and when you are deep in a yoga practice it makes sense why people for Thousands of years or for centuries have thought that this is a mystical, magical practice mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. All right. So so you have shuffled the deck. Yes. Okay. Quite thoroughly. Quite thoroughly. Very good. Okay. Now in front of you, do you have a space in front of you where you can kind of just lay them out and, and kind of spread them out gently? Yes. Kind of in,
1: in one long row so you can see yeah, the sure. back of each card. Very good. Got them all spread out. Awesome. And if you haven't picked up listener, we're doing this over we're we're in different states. We're doing this over the internet. So this is a little, little non conventional. Yes, it's a bit non-conventional. I've been talked through this process. Normally normally <laughs> when
0: I do a reading I'm doing it in person. And you know, by the way, the person who taught me to do Tarot is actually my partner. And oh, great! Yeah, he was the one who introduced it to me, and it was really funny. Does, how,
1: is his perspective on it like similar to yours, as far as yeah,
0: yeah? He the he's, magical. Yeah, he's the one who kind of taught me that perspective, and it, that's awesome. It's really funny because you know, at that time, I was still kind of a conservative Christian, and he broke it to me that he reads Tarot, and he was like, "I'm not a Satanist, <laughs> I promise." <laughs> <laughs> um and now you're a satanist so. and now yeah or and now, member of the satanic and now temple. i'm a satan i'm a member of the satanic temple okay so go ahead and start to start to kind of run your hand over over each card and and try to feel which one is right for you in the moment you might feel a slight tingling in your fingertips you might feel just this intuition that it's right okay i've got one got one okay turn it over and lay it down in front of you
1: should I show it to you? Yes. Okay.
0: We have the six of wands. Go ahead and describe what you see there.
1: I, I'm not sure. Th- th- I'm not sure if they're holding spears or. I. It looks maybe like a, some sort of a celebration. My my first instinct was that it was a um some sort of a battle setting, maybe a war, because they're riding horses, and it looks like they're holding spears. But then upon further examination, I don't think they are spears because it looks like there's wreaths. On them and and the the people in the in the image are wearing wreaths on their heads, so maybe it's some sort of celebratory thing. But yeah, initially I thought it was an aggressive image, but now I'm thinking maybe it's more okay. Some sort of a yeah, some sort of a celebration or or pageantry or some of some sort. Awesome, and he's riding a
0: horse, and mm-hmm. yes, he is surrounded by like a cheering crowd. Now the wand, so there are four different suits. There is. Wands, coins, or pentacles, depending on the deck. In this deck, it's pentacles. Wands, pentacles, cups, and swords. Now, each of these kind of correlates to different aspects of your being. So coins has to do with physical resources, money, finances, and so on. And so when when a pentacle or coin card comes up that is an invitation to to consider that part of your life the also the coins are connected to the merchant class of medieval europe now the cups They are connected with the priestly class in medieval Europe. And so because of that, in the cups, you will probably see the most overtly Christian imagery, Catholic imagery. And it has to do with your seat of emotion. It has to do with your emotional well-being. Okay, now the wands, what does the wand inevitably look like? It's very phallic, right?
1: It's very phallic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: and, and yeah. It, it... It has like a tip on it. Yeah, it has a tip on it. It's got a shaft in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it, so, It's pretty straight up. So it's very phallic, but also it's, it's kind of budding leaves. Mm-hmm. And so it's this stick, and it's growing, and it's phallic, and, it's con- and the wands are connected to the peasant class of uh, medieval Europe. And the oh. wands, therefore, kind of have to do with your sense of vitality, well-being, and energy. And then comes the swords. And the swords are connected with the knights in medieval Europe. And they represent the mind, the life of the intellect. So whenever you draw a swords card, it's an invitation to explore your intellectual life. Okay, so...
1: I'm sorry, could you distinguish between the sword and the cup? It sounds like they're kind of similar as far as introspective. Yeah, so yeah, they're both introspective for sure. The cups are... Emotions,
0: emotion based, and the swords are the intellect. I see the life of the mind. Got it. So we so we have the six of wands, and this has to do with being honored, with being celebrated, with victory, being celebrated by others for your triumphs and victories. And there is this sense of vitality. That comes from that. Now, as you look at this card, is there anything in your life, or is there anything that immediately springs to mind that you relate to or don't relate to in this card?
1: Uh, from your description, or just from like the the visual? Both. Uh, from your from your description, of, you know about being celebrated for victory and stuff. I feel like I kind of almost cringe a little bit because I def- I have a hard time accepting positive feedback, honestly, Okay, and I I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously, we're both independent podcasters, and it's like, well, what victories do I have to sell? Like, I'm not, I'm doing this for free, (laughs) and it takes, like, hours and hours.
0: Victories are very few and far between when you're an independent artist. (laughs)
1: Yes, amen. I mean, I think it's something that that I want, that I aspire towards, you know, to be successful in the field I've chosen, but... I definitely do have self-destructive tendencies, and it's like it seems it seems out of it seems out of grasp. Honestly, is is I guess what okay. it boils down to.
0: So the sort of victory and praise that this card represents feels out of touch for you.
1: Yeah, it's something that I want, but it, it's something maybe that I, I tell myself I can't get to. Right. Honestly. And so
0: you you mentioned self-destructive behaviors. What do you mean by that?
1: Honestly, like uh, in, back in high school, which is now. 11, 12 years ago I used to you know uh, self-harm and stuff like that but now you know I don't do anything like that anymore. I'm I'll just get real I don't I don't mind getting real. I, I'm on really good medication and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um, my mental health is definitely is definitely coming around to a better more healthy spot but I just like say things I know I shouldn't say and kind of self-sabotage and, and push people and uh, have authority issues and just kind of you know and that that hurts me professionally <laughs> I'm sure. I'm just yeah, I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm a stout brew, I guess, and I <laughs> lean into that. I could filter myself a lot more than I do.
0: Okay. Well, you know, you're you're talking to someone who relates to all of that. Um, mm. I was a self-injurer for years. and I too am on a pretty good cocktail of meds to keep me sane and to keep me from dancing naked on the roof singing. You know, the sound <laughs> of music. Okay, so <clears throat> what it seems like is that this card is revealing a block for you, and that this is something that you mm, want, mm-hmm. and that this is something that you want to maybe even be able to accept for yourself. You know, that's kind of what it sounds like, is that you want to be able to accept what this card has for you, but you feel like you're getting in the way, or or certain parts of yourself are getting in the way. Does that sound accurate?
1: oh absolutely man yeah totally
0: okay all right well so let's see what the deck has to say about this uh start to run your fingers over the cards once more finding the card that feels right
1: all right got it
0: all right pulling it turn it over and look at it oh very good we have another six no, wait, what was the last one? Oh. Yeah, this, so, we did, six. so we did six of wands. Now we have six wands. six of swords. This is one of my swords. favorite cards. Okay, now lay it oh, wow. Lay it right next to the first card you drew. Okay, so what describe to the listeners what you're seeing
1: here. Okay, Um, we have a man on what looks like a gondola. He's standing up on a, a long, thin boat, and he has another uh, quite phallic-looking... Stick that he's kind of pushing himself through the water with, and there is in front of him what looks like maybe a woman and a child in the boat who he's transporting, and then there are two, three, like uh, six sword. Yeah, that makes sense. Six swords stuck into the boat in front of them, in front of the, the the two figures who I assume are a woman and child. They're they have cloaks on, so I can't quite tell exactly.
0: Yeah, and they look—they look kind of beleaguered. They look kind of yes tired, hunched over, hunched over, beleaguered, and they are being carried over the water in this boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the meanings of it, what what comes up for you as you look at this picture? Is
1: there anything you relate to in it? the uh, the The person providing the transport, I assume it's I assume it's his boat. He may have it out on a lease. I don't know. Uh, But it, it looks like he he's providing safe passage maybe to someone in need. He looks somewhat heroic. He's he's not he's standing up while they're sitting, but it's not in a dominating way. It looks like he's kind of shouldering a burden for them. They look tired and worn out. And it seems like he is, yeah, he seems like a, a noble figure, I suppose. The fact that the swords are stuck into the boat initially makes me think, well, wouldn't they be sprouting leaks because they're <laughs> literally just vertically plunged into the front of this boat? Yes, But they could, they could also be clogging leaks that are conveniently sized like the end of a sword. Right. So <laughs> there's, there's that possibility too. So the swords represent the mind
0: and here we have a mother and child Two very vulnerable figures going through this passage, going on this journey. So this mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. represents a shift in worldview, an intellectual journey, and being carried through this transformation, mm-hmm. through this worldview okay. shift, this paradigm shift. And as you can see from how exhausted and exhausted and beleaguered they look, it tends to be uh, pretty hard these transformations this cognitive dissonance it tends to be really exhausting and miserable right and but you but there's this process of transformation where you are going to a new land intellectually do you relate to that in any way oh yeah okay. <laughs> are you kidding me
1: okay tell me about... uh, this is probably my my favorite card as, as well just guessing i mean i've only drawn two but <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, um so tell me, oh
0: my God, yeah! Tell me about that. Tell me how you relate to that. What what comes up for you?
1: It's funny because when I first saw this card, I kind of had a, a flashback, like to the story of Pilgrim's Progress, and then what you just described, I think, also parallels that idea of going through a personal transformation, through a personal journey. This is kind of a, a rabbit hole, but like I've recently had this idea, like, what if there was a sequel to Pilgrim's Progress where he then journeys from being a Christian to being an atheist or to being a non-theist or an agnostic or something like that. So, and that's kind of, that's where I'm at right now. And that's why I think of that is because, I mean, yeah, it's the whole premise of my podcast and and many of of your interviews are kind of centered around that theme, I think, in Sacred Tension. Uh, Deconstruction, deconversion, reconstruction, You know, coming out of the evangelical world, I was raised in the Bible Belt, extremely Southern Baptist. I've been going through deconstruction, I guess, which is a very broad term, for uh, maybe three or four years. And I'm just now coming to the place where I'm realizing—and honestly, our conversation really, in the past, it really, really helped me kind of putting labels on it and realizing— I like the term non-theist and how you described it to me when we first talked. And it's like, it doesn't matter if there's a God. I don't know if there's a God. Yeah. But I don't see it. I don't touch it. I do see and touch people. And I think that's important. And, and the, the mythos of Christ, I think, is still important to me. And I'll never shake that. I think that we probably kind of feel similarly Absolutely. about that. Absolutely, yeah. It's but, deep in our bones. Yes. But like coming to a place where it's like, This is not absolute. This is my vocabulary and frame of reference. But also, it's not, it does not even vaguely resemble what it used to. And I may even use some of the same terms, like the word God and the word Jesus, the word, you know christ and and phrases like loving your neighbor and stuff like that but it's just i definitely define them in a very different way than i used to i guess yeah and honestly i I think that i I still use them to an extent to be able to effectively communicate with my family with my parents with my uh, the older generation of my family just because that's still so that's still they're still in that same conservative evangelical mindset and so i think it makes communication with them easier instead of saying the universe saying god or, you know, instead of saying love, saying Christ.
0: Yeah. What what tradition were you raised in?
1: Southern Baptist.
0: Okay. That's hard. That's yeah, difficult. It's intense. Okay. So yeah, this card is one of my favorites because it does demonstrate that cognitive transformation. And, mm-hmm. you know, just along the lines of what you were just saying, it's almost like we we are given the materials of Christianity and then we make something radically new with it. Okay. So it, it, it's almost like you're given a school bus, you're given a car and you're driving it and it takes you a pretty long way. You You know, on your journey, Mm -hmm. on your journey Mm -hmm. in life, it takes you a pretty long ways. And that's your faith. That's your Christianity. But then eventually that car breaks down, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. all you have is that car. And so instead of ditching the car, what you do is you take... The car and you rebuild it and you turn it into something oh, I love that. else you turn it into you know one of those da vinci-esque uh helicopter things or you or, or you, <laughs> you you turn it into some kind of steampunk whatever the idea being you you take the <laughs> yeah. you take the vehicle that carried you for so long until it breaks down and i think mm. what a lot of us are doing in this generation a lot of us are discovering that it is a waste of energy to just walk away from the car, right? Yeah. It's a waste. Oh, that's good. It's a man. waste of energy to just walk away from the car. Instead, we're going to take all of that raw material of our faith and our tradition and our heritage and we're going to rebuild it and we're going to turn it into something new. And
1: then we're going to get in that that's car beautiful. and keep driving, right? So. Oh, my God. Dude, do, do you know? Sorry to interrupt you. No. Do you know um, Listener, the band Listener? I don't. They have they have this song called Wooden Heart, and what you just described is like the premise of the song. It's it's about like these people who are sailing on a ship, and then they get shipwrecked on on like you know a, a deserted island or whatever, and then they use the pieces of the broke the broken ship to build a church. Yes, that's it exactly. And it's a very like postmodern progressive kind of, yeah, you know, absolutely uh, post-Christian sort of thing.
0: So, you know, I love this card because I feel like it's where a lot of us are. And, you know, a lot yes. of us deconstruction types who are figuring out who we are and where we fit. And it's painful. It is a hard, hard process. Is there a way in which this card links or connects to the previous card in some way?
1: Huh. Honestly, maybe um, I hope that... I can be true to the self that I am discovering through this process, this journey, and and still become victorious or successful or whatever adjective you might use to describe the this, this the six of wands. Yeah, maybe I, I had a realization that like I yeah, I could have I, I've had plenty of opportunities to where I could have become you know a decently well-paid person in an organization that I don't necessarily, that I would, you know, have, have conflict over at the end of the day, when I go to bed, I'd, I'd probably be like, you know, who am I representing? Why am I putting on the face of this, of this corporation or whatever? And now I, I'm at a place where I'm trying to be true to myself, but at the same time I'm definitely not as successful or victorious maybe by the terms of, of the, of the world around me, I guess. Story of if my life. that makes life. Any sense. Um,
0: (laughs) here's something that comes to me about this and, and maybe it'll be different for maybe this won't resonate, but I think that there are certain ennobling qualities of the six of swords of going through that cognitive dissonance and being willing to confront it fully. There are ennobling, Mm. empowering lessons that come from that, that I think Mm. we can own there is a certain measure of courage. There is a certain measure of courage in the face of the unknown. There is a certain measure of maturity that comes from being able to say, I don't know. And mm. so what I see in this lineup is in the six of wands, you're having some difficulty attaining that. And maybe maybe it doesn't have so much to do with being celebrated by others, maybe it has more to do with being, just being able to celebrate yourself and recognize, (laughs) does
1: that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. The ability to... I didn't mean to interrupt. Please finish your thought. Yeah, Uh, no worries. You're great. just hit me really hard. No, no, no.
0: You can interrupt me anytime. Um, So it has to do with maybe celebrating yourself, seeing your better qualities, and being able to carry them and celebrate them and refine them. You've been through this incredibly harrowing deconstruction process, which is very hard. Intrinsic within that process are these ennobling aspects of courage and strength and humility and intellectual honesty, all of which I think that you can sit back, you can you can step back and objectively say those things are good about me. Mm. Does that resonate? Mm. Yeah, it's really hard. Okay, very good. Oh, Good Lord. That's so positive and encouraging, man. Good. Wow. All right, so go ahead and find your next card. Find the one that feels right to you. All right, got it. All right, what have we got?
1: Oh my God, man, it's another six. <laughs> we got 666. Six, six.
0: <laughs> okay, so- I'm the beast. So we are- It's the mark of the beast. We are pulling all of the sixes. So we are now at 666. Six, six. Okay,
1: this- Good Lord. This is uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is... A, Don't tell my mom. This is... <laughs> that I pulled all sixes <laughs> in a terrible <laughs> deck. So, this is the six of pentacles.
0: And again, remember, pentacles have to do with finances and money.
1: hmm So, oh
0: describe what you're seeing in this image.
1: Okay, let's see. This is kind of upsetting to me. We have a rich man holding in his left hand a scale. In his right hand, he is feeding... He's feeding some hungry peasants, it looks like, but... He doesn't look too happy about it, and there he's not. He seems demeaning. He's standing over them, he's giving them some scraps, some crumbs out of his hand. Behind him is like a castle. And a bunch of trees, and uh, it looks like yeah, it looks like he maybe journeyed out from. It. He's very well dressed. He looks like he's wearing some expensive garments. Maybe he journeyed out from his castle, and now he's just like dropping breadcrumbs into the hands <laughs> of these beggars. <laughs> and he's holding a scale. The scale is upsetting because there's like a, an air of judgment. I think about the idea, the idea of a scale. Like in my mind, anyway, it's a it's a sign of like moral judgment. I guess, which I don't think there's really much of a place for. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a long description. Okay, so
0: you're you're not getting a good vibe from this card, then?
1: I'm not. No, I'm not. I love the idea of feeding the hungry. I I volunteer at like Salvation Army, and I, every time I do, I like tear up. And yeah, I don't say that to, you know to toot my own horn, but it's just like it. it, it I do it. You know, I'm sure selfishly, it's not fully altruistic. Like yeah. it makes me feel good to do that. Yeah. But it's, this guy just seems to have an air about him. He's not giving them the coat off his back. He's not replacing their dirty clothes with his. It, are those crumbs or are those coins. Maybe those are coins.
0: There's no... uh, He's dropping... Show me the card one more time.
1: Yeah, I think those
0: are coins. Okay, maybe they're coins. Okay, so... Yeah, this is a really interesting card because it has to do with financial balance and and where you put your resources. This card is an invitation to look at how you are using your finances and your resources. Mm. Where are you putting them? Where are you pouring them? And why? And... Are we using them wisely? Are we not? It's really about what part of ourselves. So, you know, you look at those beggars. Those beggars, they can represent external things and people. But I find it more helpful to look at them as aspects of yourself, aspects of your own mm. life. And what parts of yourself mm. are in need and what parts of yourself are you giving to or not?
1: Mm. Oh, man. I was kind of hoping I wouldn't draw any any coin cards because money is uh, definitely, a, a, it's always been a source of a lot of stress for me. Even before yes. I had a job and an income of my own, I was aware that my family you know, was struggling financially when I was a kid. I have a lot of siblings mm. and so obviously a lot of mouths to feed in the house and so it's always just been a source of of a lot of stress for me. And I think, honestly, because of that, I kind of try to distance myself from it, which then just makes the situation worse. I don't make a lot of money. I could definitely have a job where I made more money, and I probably should. Yeah, it's 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 such a source of stress for me that I think I just kind of distance myself from it. And that is, once again, you know, inadvertently or advertently self destructive, I think.
0: Okay. So this is not an area of peace for you. This is an area of, no. of lots of stress. This is an area of lots of Which is
1: probably why I immediately projected negativity onto yeah, the card. And that and that's
0: interesting too, how you you saw the card and it was instantly a, a darker card for you. Now there's now the thing yep. here is that there is no right interpretation of the tarot, and so it, you, that right. interpretation wasn't wrong. Um, it's bringing something up for you.
1: It was strong. It wasn't wrong, but it was a it was a strong
0: reaction. Yeah, very, very strong reaction. As you look at these three cards here, is there a progression or is there some story tying tying them all together?
1: Hmm. I mean, in everything that I've said, they are all definitely, and, and in your readings of them, so yeah, they're all definitely very personal I can find a thread running, uh, you know, between all of them. Of these three sixes, with the first one, um, with the wands, I see maybe where I want to end up. I definitely want to be appreciated, not necessarily... I I definitely... I think maybe you were were kind of touching on this a little bit, but I respect and admire people who choose personal integrity over over fame or over worldly recognition. Um, So I liked how you spun that in a very positive and and uplifting way for me personally in saying that maybe the the respect of others is could be less of a priority than my own personal satisfaction with what I'm doing and my own personal victories and so i i, I like that spin a lot and i think that you're totally right and i and maybe we're just similar people and that yeah i think it is more important to me to have personal integrity over fame or or worldly recognition and then the second one, I, th- the swords, the six of swords, is, is definitely speaks to me personally the most. Just with because I'm in a huge personal worldview shift and transition. Yes, and like you said, it is hard and it is painful. It alienates me from friends. It is honestly ruined some friendships. Even my, my very best friend from high school now is a strong Calvinist and likes likes to um, try to convert me, which is just kind of. Shat on our relationship, and then the coins, or well, what was the word that you used? is? It, it's not coins in this deck. A pentacle. Is it coins? Pentacles. Pentacles. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that one has always been money. It just, I, it could probably been any number. It could probably been any card that was a pentacle card, and I'd be stressed <laughs> out by it <laughs> because right, right. Yeah, I just suck at finances, and I, I wish it weren't a real thing, but it is, and I have to grow up and face it head on and handle my shit. I guess that's like. To me, I think I react t- towards that one so negatively just because I know that that's like a huge issue that I have, honestly.
0: Sure, sure. There, there's something very 12-step-like about the Tarot in that it brings out brutal honesty. Depending on the degree to which you engage it, it really does kind of require to, to go to these really, really vulnerable places. Mm-hmm. So let's pull one more
1: card. Yeah, we're actually going to do three more. Okay, good. Well, then I'm going to hit one that's not a six inevitably, so that's good. All right, we got it. Oh, good, it's not a six. We've got, it says the star. Very good. Okay, so
0: tell me what you see here. So this is a, I think, 17? Yeah, so that's one of the major arcana.
1: Oh, a major, okay. So we have a figure that initially looked kind of androgynous to me, but now there's definitely some voluptuous breasts. Yes on this body. I'm assuming this is a female form. We don't have any sort of phallic imagery here. This is a very soft, effeminate card. I like it. It seems very nourishing. The figure is holding a pitcher of water in each hand. She, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the pronoun she, I assume. This is a a female. Uh, She is pouring water back into a pond or some sort of body of water. I wonder if she got the water from that from that lake or, or that pond. And then the other hand, it looks like she is watering the the vegetation around her and pouring the water out into the, the grass and flowers. Um, and then we have some, uh, some eight-point stars behind her in the sky. This is a very... To me, it's a very calming and peaceful image. Okay,
0: very good. So the star... Very maternal. The star has to do with what are your goals? What is the star... That you are journeying towards, but also what is the, what are the stars that are guiding your life? What by what are the stars by which you navigate? So this has to do with principles and goals. Mm. And as you look at this card, is there anything that you connect with, or that it brings up, or that you relate to?
1: Like I said, it it is kind of abstract, so I might have to talk through it a little bit. But um, the nourishing maternal kind of sense, the the figure, the, the woman is definitely central in the image, and there is a big yellow star above her head. Um, now that I'm talking through it, this almost seems like maybe some sort of a, a God the Mother figure to me, because... She is the only image in the picture. Every single other one of these images have had multiple humans in them. But in this one, she is the only uh, human character. There's a bird in the background and everything else is just vegetation. I like the stars a lot. I'm fascinated by astrophysics and, and science and things like that. So it sounds like
0: this is a really positive and soothing card for you. It is, okay, yes. awesome. And partly because it has that feminine aspect to it it
1: has that that kind of mm-hmm. nurturing feminine energy to it yes what comes up for you with this card god the mother i think and and i know that's a very loaded phrase and sometimes people throw it around just to be controversial but seeing life force realized or non non-actualized as a feminine and nur- nourishing energy speaks a lot to me i'm I'm very close with my mother, and she's a very loving and nurturing person, and realizing, stepping out of the idea that that, that God is a misogynist, mm. <laughs> which maybe ties back to the Six of, of Swords, um, I think has been a, a really big, important part of my, my personal spiritual worldview. Seeing the effeminate or the feminine, just because we, we're just so fucking brainwashed with patriarchy, I think. Yes, we are. Appreciating... How important and strong and necessary and and vivacious, feminine energy is, I think has it has really uh, helped to shift my worldview to a place that for me is more healthy, and good, very good. Yeah, this this card speaks a lot a lot to me, honestly.
0: The other thing that comes up for me with this card is nurture and self care,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how this card is almost like a reaction or an answer to the previous three. Does
1: that make sense? Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like
0: in the face of all of this hard shit, in the face of, you know, financial difficulty, in the face of wanting to be able to have success and celebrate your own personal successes but just not necessarily knowing how to or being able to. And then the the long journey of deconstruction. All of this really really hard stuff which wears you down. The answer to that is to clarify what are your goals? And what are your systems? Oh, that's what are good. the systems and principles by which you live? And then, kind of, I feel like folded into all this, and just from your interpretation of a very motherly, feminine, uh, mother goddess like figure. How do you embody that to yourself? How do you start to be fully present to your own vulnerabilities, your fears? Your wounds, your stressors, and start nurturing them. Start nurturing yourself, despite mm. all of the discomfort.
1: Yeah, the phrase I think that you used that stood out to me, that resonated with me the most was self care, because that's that's definitely something that I uh, have been. It's a phrase that's been in my mind a lot recently, I suppose. Um, like I said, I mean, it, it, I mean. If you're anywhere near to the same boat as me, you're, you've probably been through the process of, you know, talking to a therapist and try, and then seeing a psychiatrist and, and trying to find all these different combinations of medications and stuff. And it's, that's a hard process because it's trial and error. They'll tell you straight up, like, we don't exactly know how this stuff works. Exactly. So it takes a long time to find something that works for you. And I've recently landed on something, like, honestly, for... For the past, like, few months, I've just not been able to respond to texts. I haven't even been able to look at my phone. Like, seeing my phone was a stressor to me. Like, oh, people are trying to contact me. I just couldn't deal with it. Now I go out of my way to, to contact my friends, and I'll initiate conversations and stuff like that. And I didn't even realize how differently I was treating communication with the outside world and, and, and being okay with... Not even making myself vulnerable, but opening myself up to the influence and the words of those around me who love me. That was always such a scary thing, until like until my new SSRIs kicked in about a month ago. Honestly, yeah. Um, um, I totally but, understand. Uh,
0: yeah. So this card is an invitation to explore self-care. The systems. By which you live your life and by systems i mean mm. what are your principles what are your routines mm-hmm. what are your disciplines mm-hmm. and also what are your goals yeah and this seems like one of those big long-term things to just keep thinking about
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so go ahead and pull your next card and by the way let me let me clarify something here real fast when i at the beginning of this show when i told you to kind of feel out which card feels right to you mm-hmm. i don't think there's anything spiritual about that at all i think
1: no i don't assume you I, do i <laughs> i think
0: what that mean i think what you're doing when you do that is like trying to trying to find which card is right i my personal theory is that when you do that with the cards whatever card that you do eventually draw Will because of that have more sense of meaning and weight to it.
1: Hmm. So you're kind of almost not tricking yourself, but you're you're tricking yourself. Uh, you're um, suspending yeah, disbelief. You're, you're, you're yeah, you're suspending, suspending <laughs> disbelief. There's a lot
0: with a lot of these rituals. Yeah. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief, and that and that's good. All right, yeah.
1: all right. Ooh, I don't even know what this is. This is a very different card.
0: Okay. Well, this is another stressful card. Go ahead and put that down. So so here, we're going to make an inverted triangle with these cards. So you have the top three on the top. Okay. And then below the first and okay. second card, in between those and below, put the star. And then next to the star, sure. put the card you just drew. Okay. So this is the five of coins. Five of pentacles, right?
1: Oh, it's another coin. Yeah. Okay.
0: Another pentacle card. Yeah. Now... Tell me tell me what you see.
1: Oddly, this one isn't as stressful to me. It's more just sad. Um, the majority of the... I guess it's not negative space, but the majority of, of the space in the card is black. It's two figures walking in front of a building that looks, upon examination, it kind of looks like a church because there's sort of a stained glass window image that they're passing by. Neither of them is really paying any attention to the building, which may be a church, or that may just be another projection of mine. It looks like there's a woman. She looks actually very much like the woman from The Six of Swords. She has a similar orange tunic over herself, and she's hunched over in a hunched posture. They're walking through the snow, barefoot, and then she's walking next to a a crippled man. Mm. But yeah, they're, they're kind of walking by this Uh, Kind of ornate building, and they're both very kind of decrepit and and wearing rags and injured, I suppose. So this
0: is a card of abject poverty. Now, this can have to do with the feeling of poverty of being shut outside of something, being excluded. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, they're outside this beautiful stained glass church. They Mm. are... Out in the snow where it's cold they're physically wounded you know so this is this is a hard card and is there a way in which you feel a connection to this card or what's what's coming up here
1: oh yeah absolutely um i have a, a few different takes on it um on a personal level um and i kind of sensed this once i realized maybe what the building they were passing represented and then even even further illuminated by your description, but um, just the idea of being shut out of an ornate um, church, yeah, specific, any sort of building, but specifically a church. I'll, I'll, I'll tell a really quick little anecdote. Um, for Christmas, I was visiting my family back home, and my my dad wanted to go to the church, you know, Christmas Eve service. And the last time I was there in town, I was working the church as a sound man and i was starting to figure out kind of where my true internal monologue was kind of leading me but i just i had a panic attack just thinking about going like i freaked out and then for the rest of of the evening and the night my heart was just racing i just felt this weird i don't know if you've ever experienced uh anxiety or panic oh attacks, but yes It just i, I was just struggling to be pleasant with my family because it was the holiday and I was just struggling to put on a smile. And just the whole time my mind was just in fast forward. I was just, it took so long to recover. You know, I didn't recover until maybe later into the next day. But anyhow, so yeah, I I just say that to say that just the literal reading of this in being, passing by a church uh, and being shut out from it, obviously... It's kind of on the nose for me, and the in the whole premise of our podcast, right, I suppose. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, that was my community; those are my people. They, they they said you know they did love me. They they do love me so much. But if they heard a single episode of any of my podcasts, they would definitely put me on a lower tier. I suppose it would be like, oh, we got to pray for him. We got we got to get him back. Um, and then uh, just very, quick, I know I'm taking a little time describing this, but then also very quickly, it reminds me of the story, the tale of Matthew 25. Um, There's an ornate church that obviously has a lot of money. They can afford a stained glass window. Just like, you know, Jesus said, put a stained glass window in your church. That's obviously very spiritually (laughs) essential. But um, (laughs) I'm being obviously very sarcastic. But just the idea that there's the hungry and the poor and the cold walking past this big building and there's no one coming out to tend to them yes you know I was hungry and you didn't feed me you know I was walking barefoot by your church and you didn't even pop out to say hey you want to come in yes you know it reminds me of matthew 25 which to me is is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture right now yeah. Just the idea that, like, we didn't know you, we didn't see you. It's just so inclusive and 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 so inclusivist, I suppose, from a, a religious perspective.
0: All right, so let's draw the final card for this reading.
1: All right, we avoided the last six. We got a seven here.
0: Okay, oh, this is a great card. So tell me what you're seeing here.
1: Wow. This is the seven of cups. There's a lot going on. So we've got seven cups. There's a lot going on. In this card, we have a serpent coming out of one cup. We have, uh is this a mushroom coming out of the center cup? We have a head that kind of reminds me, honestly, of the Statue of David. We have a kind of some sort of tower or castle. Yeah. Like on an island, maybe. We have some jewels and, and riches, it looks like, in one cup. Okay. And then there's a cup. It looks like it has the image of a skull on it with a wreath coming out that looks exactly like the wreath from the, the wands, the six of wands, and then we have a dragon in the final cup. Okay, and then in front of all of these cups is what? Mm-hmm. It's a silhouette of what looks like a man. I don't know if he's about to choose a cup or if he's just kind of beholding them. Um, he's interacting with them in some way. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing.
0: Okay, so this this cup has to do with the bewilderment of choices.
1: Mm, yeah. Okay. okay. So he's choosing. Yeah, yeah. So
0: and and it also has to do with delirium. It has to do with visions and dreams. It has to do with the sense of not knowing which is the right way to go. What's real? What's not real? And having to make choices. And if you think about the act of choices, you know, really stressful choices, you get lost in this imaginative world, which is really dreamlike, right? So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. my partner and I were just recently trying to buy a house and holy shit, the most stressful 48 hours of our lives. And yeah. the the way in which dream and vision and choice and stress all come together to create this this kind of monstrous, Bad trip when we are in when we're yeah. having to make stressful choices, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. here,
1: yeah, I should have mentioned the cups are resting on like a cloud, so it is very ethereal. Yeah, and exactly.
0: So this is this is a very internal card, and also it is a, a cups card, which means that it also has to do with kind of the your emotional life and and kind of the the choices that you're making emotional or or that that uh, will affect your emotional well being. So, as you look at this card, is there anything that you relate to?
1: I probably relate with, with your description. I think your description clarified it a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, making choices, being I'm, you know, I round up to 30 years old and feeling like I should have already maybe committed to a career path that is lucrative and <laughs> could sustain, you know, I'd love to have a family. Okay. How old are you now? I'm 29. I'm almost 30. Okay.
0: I just turned 30 last I know. Last I saw it. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, it's a trip, isn't it? It is. Third decade. I, I'm not dead yet. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, that's how I saw you, you, you prefaced it on Twitter as like, I'm not dead yet, guys. I thought I was. Dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, the cups themselves, I'm not really sure what's going on in them. That's okay. Um, the most inviting one to me seems like the wreath, but... it. it But there's like a skull, it looks like, on the outside of that cup. Maybe that's just me looking at the shadows in a strange way. And then on the right hand side, you have a serpent and a dragon, which in and of themselves aren't necessarily negative imagery, but they seem like they're they're crawling out of the cup like they might be on the the offense, on the attack. Mm. I don't know. Is that a mushroom in the middle cup there? I don't know what that thing is. That is a person under a sheet. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't know what that is then. I have no idea what what that's supposed to represent. There's
0: no telling. I mean that that's kind of the idea is that these are all just weird visions that you have to choose that you that you're that this figure is trying to choose
1: between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the figure is definitely the the fact that it's, it's a silhouette and you see the backside of them. It's the perspective is obviously kind of a forced perspective to to infer and, and and it's an andro. You can't really tell if it's a male or female, but it could be. Yeah, I feel like that's supposed to be. The, the the person drawing the card. Cool.
0: Alright. So so what I'm hearing you bring up here is millennial angst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing is a lot of millennial uh, millennial angst over how do I choose a job? How do I choose a career? How do I how do I have a how do I get a family? I want a family, but can I have a family? Um, what's your, and just because I don't know, I mean, are, are you a gender minority? Are you, or are you cis or straight? I'm bi. Oh, you're bi. Okay. So. Yeah. And okay. So with that, then that also probably connects to this card. It's hard to find, it's hard to get a partner. It's hard to get a, a, a stable family in a world that doesn't feel like it's supporting you. And yeah. And that's really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and
1: it turns off, you know, if I ever... When I date straight people, it's often a turn off. Yeah. You know, like, oh... Like, they, they're like, well, then that means there's twice as many threats to our relationship. It's like, no. <laughs> I, I, you like who you like. Like, it's not... Uh, you know, just... <laughs> doesn't mean you like every single male and female no. that comes across your, you know, it, you have to go and explain this whole thing. Yeah, exactly.
0: No, being bi is is pretty hard, even in the LGBT world, because I think, you know, for people like me who are just kind of garden variety gays, I think a lot of gay people have a hard time understanding bi.
1: Dude, I I actually just did an interview with a guy I work with, and that's one of the questions. He's, you know, he's he's not gay. He's very interesting um, because he's a he's still very, very conservative, and he thinks that it's wrong to be gay, but he is hes married to a man, and that is his life. Um, so a lot of our conversation was around that, like, why do you think God has a problem? With us, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, that's um, complicated. One of the questions I asked him, I, I told him, like, whenever I've been with, with guys who are gay, there's always this undertone of, like, this guy thinks he's bi, but that's not a real thing. Like, honestly, it, it's kind of upset because I know exactly I'm i I've explored I know what I like and what I don't like like it's I'm not I don't th- I genuinely don't think I'm in a transitional period where I'm still figuring no. out what I like and dislike but like there's there's this like kind of a, a everyone's winking to each other like oh he's but you know what I'm saying like there's there's definitely a demeaning kind of an air I feel like in the community like I, th- I think that's what you're saying yeah
0: there is and so yeah and I bring that up just because you brought up family and with family With finding a partner, in your case, male or female, that brings on kind of this delirium of stress, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And with my, you know, with my my family, with my parents, like when I came out to them, like, dude, it was, they freaked the fuck out, man. Like, yes. Yeah, I can imagine. They were just projecting. I don't want to get into too much of a rabbit hole off topic here, but they're just projecting You know, like, um, this is going to, I have four younger brothers and they're like, this is going to ruin your relationship with all your brothers. This is going to put a wedge in the family. And I was like, the only wedge that will be created is the one that you shove into the picture here. Like all my brothers love me and they're open-minded and I'm the same exact person I've ever been. I'm just being more honest with you. I'm just telling you how I've always been the whole time, you know, and it just, we're in a better place now, but I, I talked about this on, on another podcast earlier this week, actually, but. I can never be fully open with them just because I know how uncomfortable it will make them and how quickly they'll, ch- they'll try to change the subject, you know.
0: That's hard. That's really, really, really hard. You are confronting all of these different possibilities in your life. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's difficult. And I see this as a good opportunity to go back to the star mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when you get lost... In all of these options, all of these possibilities, the best thing to do is to simply return back to your principles, return back to your systems by which you live your life.
1: Okay, yeah. Does
0: that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think another challenge of deconstruction is deconstructing just to the point to where you're, you're faced with your bare principles as opposed to deconstructing those principles themselves. Because if you just deconstruct all the way, you're left with nothing. Yeah, you're, you're left guess. with nothing.
0: Yeah, and that, that's kind of always the fear is like, if I just break all of this down with corrosive acid, then what am I going to have left after that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're asking me what my star is?
0: No, no not necessarily. I I think a good way... To end this, or or to wrap up this reading, is to say, okay, here are all these stressful things, and it kind of ended on this millennial angst note, like yeah, like here, like <laughs> yeah. here's here, and and that involves money and family and orientation and. And career and just all of these really, really stressful things. And and you know, here's the thing about being our age is we are presented with so much data. Mm. So much data and so many opportunities and options that it leads us into a place of profound poverty.
1: Mm, and
0: wow. that is overwhelming, and we are all dealing with it. So I think and this is just me. This is my interpretation, and you are welcome to take something else away from this reading. But what really stands out to me is that you know, kind of, you, this this reading is full of stressful things, right? This reading is is full of the reality of deconstruction, financial distress, having to make hard choices about your life, not really knowing not knowing where you're going and not really knowing how to validate yourself as a as a person, right? So but in the middle of all of these stressful things, there is the star, which is an invitation yeah. mm-hmm. to forge your own systems, your own principles and your own values that you can hold on to. right? Wow. Okay, so so kind yeah. of the, the the question to leave with here is what what is the system by which i want to live my life when i wake up in the morning i'm going to do this this and this what is my morning ritual what is my evening ritual what are the habits that i want to put into place is there a spiritual discipline that i want to pursue do I ha- Will yeah. I have one simple keystone habit, one thing that is small enough that I can do every day but big enough to be momentous, something as simple as making your bed or journaling a few sentences every day? What are these systems by which you run your life? And as those systems are put into place, things get easier because, guess what, even if the zombies come, you still have those systems, <laughs> Right.
1: Oh, that's beautiful, man. Okay. Yeah. So
0: and you can find refuge and solace within these systems and principles. And this is a big topic. Mm. If this is something that you want to talk more about, kind of off the off the air, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy <laughs> to talk to you about this stuff. So that's my that's my interpretation of this whole spread as kind of like I step back and look at it is, wow, this is a lot of stressful stuff. This is a lot of stressful, real life stuff. But kind of in the middle of it is the invitation. Amidst all of it is the invitation to clarify your own goals, dreams, visions, and systems of life, your own personal rights. What? The church used to provide for us, what religion used to provide for us. I, I almost converted to Catholicism. and Catholicism, go to confession. You pray the rosary. You go to mass, right? right? These are yeah. systems that add meaning and texture and ritual and rhythm to your life and guess what it doesn't matter if someone has just died it doesn't matter if you're financially destroyed you can still hold on to those systems well with the decline of religious systems in our world we are now the ones who have to create those systems mm. and that that's profound, and that can man. be what the star represents
1: yeah I love that 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 star card.
0: So, so as so as you step back and and look at this spread, it, do you have any other thoughts on this?
1: It's interesting laying it out in the upside down triangle formation because I feel like to me the top level is my material reality. Maybe there's a lot more negativity and and stress in that for me um, with. You know the the three sixes. It, it's that's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm sure I'm reading into that a little bit, but that's <laughs> yeah. It's no, cool that's, how that worked out. And that's
0: kind of that's that's kind of the way we do it. Is is we project all sorts of stuff onto the cards, and then we start to find these very subjective
1: meanings within them. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, see, so yeah, I see maybe my my demons in the top. Oh, demons six <laughs> What do you know? <laughs> the second one. Um, I'm honestly kind of surprised that my second, uh, coin card wasn't more of a stressor to me. I think you're like, oh, this is a very dark card. And, and to me it was just more sad and like, I can relate to people on both sides of that wall, people inside and outside of that building of that church. Uh, that kind of just tugged at my heartstrings. I feel like the star that, uh, nourishing effeminate energy was, is very calming and, 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 and yeah, like finding the star that you're going to follow or whatever, you know, finding your goals and embracing them and, and, and building, like you said, building rituals around them. That's very kind of encouraging and more spiritual. And I feel like that's kind of more that second tier, um, is more like me, maybe the heart of me, I guess, maybe, might be a way to put it. Um, and then the last one with the decisions, it's like, okay, well now what are you going to do? You've got all this shit from your past You've got who you are on the inside, and then it's like, well now what choice are you gonna make? So that's kind of I guess my read of the of the spread.
0: All right. Well that is your first tarot reading. Your tarot virginity Dude, thank you. is gone. <laughs> it's popped. It is popped.
1: So isn't that isn't that extraordinary? That's great, man. That was really that was like a therapy session. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, other ways to read the Tarot, you can do it through journaling, and that's mostly what I do, is I find them a really, really helpful catalyst for journaling. The meanings are pretty easy to learn, you know, as you can kind of tell from the images, the especially in the rider weight deck they're really really intuitive and and once you're kind of able to match the meaning to your intuitive sense of what the card is they become really really easy to learn i have basically all 78 cards down and and it it's very easy to learn the, the stories within these cards. And once you do that, and the best way to do that is to just open them up and play with them. I mean, that's the best way to learn these cards is to just play with them, look up their meanings online and and start to figure it out. And journaling is a great way to do it. Mindfulness meditation with the cards where you, you enter kind of a mindfulness state where you're not holding on to or resisting anything that comes into your sphere of awareness. You start just laying down cars and just see what comes up and you know sometimes nothing will come up and you know what you've still just been a relaxing time looking at pretty pictures in which case yeah (laughs) still a win right yeah the artwork is great and then of course you can do do this in person reading someone else or or being read and it's kind of it kind of turns into this really awesome catalyst for really profound Mm. discussion
1: the the thing that was this most interesting to me about your uh, technique in, in reading and like I said this is my first so you're my only reference but um, is the fact that you're you're more reading my reactions than the cards you weren't just telling me oh this means this yeah this card means that lots you're re- of cold you're reading, reading my reactions and then and then weaving a web yeah. out of. Yeah, out of everything I say, there's a word
0: for that, and many fake. Psych- I mean, what psychic isn't fake? But it's it's what a, it's a method that a lot of psychics use, a lot of televangelists, a lot of spiritual healers yeah. use. Oh, yeah. Cold reading. Now, cold reading yes. is basically drawing inference from what people are saying, from their body language, and and basically the method of cold reading is that you throw something out. You you throw an image out there. You throw you know, like I just went to see Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium. And she she did this. She was a master at this. She would throw an image or a color or a date out there and she would be like, I'm getting I'm getting this number or I'm getting or she would say, I'm feeling this pain in my wrist. Why am I feeling this pain in my wrist? And then the audience will put it together for her. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the audience will put it together for her. They will start to throw her back information. And then there's this really cool exchange that happens, which is very often cathartic for the audience. And that's that's what goes on during a
1: psychic reading. I feel like that's what you're doing, but you're not being deceptive. Yeah, exactly. You're just being like. Here's the man behind the curtain. Here's the man behind I the push curtain. button, the big Wizard of Oz face pops up on the screen. Yes. You're just telling me exactly... Exactly. You're, you're still operating under that uh, dynamic, but you're being open about exactly. it.
0: Exactly. Here's a bit of a tangent, but I think this is important. During this conversation, we've talked a lot about the occult. We've talked a lot about religion. We've talked a lot about methods like cold reading and psychics. We just talked about psychics. I think that in recent years the skeptical community and the new atheist community has done a huge disservice mm. where they throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah and mm-hmm. they say because these spiritual beliefs are bullshit we're going to throw away the concept of religion altogether yes. when religion mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean theism yep. or or supernaturalism we're mm-hmm. going to throw mm-hmm. away spiritual practices even though spiritual does not necessarily mean supernatural. Yeah. Right? Religion and spiritualists have been doing these things for centuries because they work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that it is a great disservice to just throw them away. Because there are some pretty bad ideas there. Yeah. You know, I think like in another, you know, in in somewhere in the multiverse, I'm a professional medium or a professional (laughs) magician who does this. But says at the outset, this is all in our head. But to quote Dumbledore, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it isn't real
1: and you know it's
0: it we are still experiencing it we're still having this catharsis it's still creating this this kind of alchemical transformation inside of us it's still magic yeah not Mm -hmm. just magic Mm -hmm. but magic with a ck magic in the alistair crowley western ritual magic understanding of these rites do actually transform us in a profound and mysterious way
1: absolutely but
0: Maybe not for the reasons we think. Now, I say all of exactly. this sounding very much like a materialist. I'm an open materialist. I'm a hopeful materialist. There's nothing I love. Yeah. There's nothing I want more than for there to be a god and ghosts and demons and angels. There's nothing I want in an afterlife. You know, there's nothing I want more than those things. I would give an internal organ or several for that <laughs> all to be true. So I'm a hopeful materialist and mm-hmm. I hope for the supernatural world. But until I have definitive proof of the supernatural i can still engage with this stuff in this strictly psychological materialistic way and still reap profound benefits
1: yeah that's great man i love that so much i think that that yeah i just i relate with that so much and it's kind of that whole thing of like redefining terms you're still using the language of religion the ritual yes of religion but you're acknowledging i don't think this is mad or you know magic. And then that's redefining another term there, I guess. It is magic, but it's not what we used to define magic as.
0: All right. Well, I think that's a great note to end on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, this has has been been great.
0: Thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, So for people who are listening to this on Sacred Tension, what what will they find at Air of Grievances?
1: They will find me being unfiltered and honest and and this is the millennialism again, but I, I have seven podcasts. I do it takes up a lot of my time. Jesus Christ! Uh, but yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I have a, a little network I started called Post Christian Podcasting, and um, I won't list off all all the different podcasts, but you can find me on Instagram or Twitter and 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 keep up with all my different releases.
0: Awesome. And your Twitter handle is
1: yeah, my Air uh, of Grievances, which is my interview podcast uh, that I do by myself with you know with a, a different guest every week, is at hog h-o-g so air of grievances underscore cast at hog cast um and then you can find me at post christian productions which i spell post x-i-a-n pods p-o-d-s So will you tell my listeners, because we're dual releasing, will you tell my listeners uh, a little bit about Sacred Tension and where to find you?
0: So Sacred Tension is a show about the spiritual discipline of asking questions where we explore everything from cults to Scientology to Socialism to popular figures in, in culture right now to religious abuse and LGBT issues and really all sorts of stuff. It's really just whatever strikes my fancy and I have all kinds of awesome guests on there.
1: Awesome yeah. who, who are some of your most recent guests? I know you, you were on past with no answers. Yeah recently, I was as recently on
0: past with no answers. Most recently I've had Douglas Lane. I was really excited to have him on because he's one of the left's greatest figureheads right now. He's a Marxist. He is one of the best defenders of left ideology and socialism and He's the publisher of Zero Books, which is responsible for some of the best leftist philosophy over the past 10 years. Like, I was very, very pleased to have him on. Matt Langston, who's the front man of the band Eleventy Seven, and host Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's one of my best friends. He, and, That's great, yeah, man. he's he comes onto the show all the time. So he's on the show constantly. Danielle King, co-host, and I, we talk about all kinds of random stuff about feminism and doubt and faith and Catholicism. Uh, let's see. We I've done a lot of recent interviews with Satanists yes. from the Satanic Temple. So I've done a lot mm-hmm. of interviews with uh, council members, from, like spokespeople from the yeah, temple, yeah, with right? fo- with spokespeople from the temple, and they're a great group. Yeah, so we we do all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. Yep.
1: I'll I'll quickly say I uh, for any Sacred Tension listeners, I recently did an interview or two parter with Barry Taylor. Okay. Uh, you know who who worked closely with Peter Rollins in California. He's now back in England, but uh, okay, that was that might be a good one to start with. Or if if you're more more interested in LGBTQ issues. I did an interview, um, like I briefly mentioned uh, earlier, with, with my friend Corey Perry Kimball. So that's, it's an interesting to hear from a somewhat self loathing conservative evangelical out <laughs>
0: Yes, that sounds fascinating. Well, for Sacred Tension listeners, the artwork is by Justin Caleb Bryant. The music is by The Jelly Rocks from the album Bang & Whimper, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify. And we will see
1: you next week. Thanks, guys.